Laurie Hafford is here, psychotherapist and author. And you can find him at Lusnagrena Family Resource Centre in Longford. And a uh, special message for you today, Rory, by the way. A special one? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, from Melody. Melody. Melody, yes. Can you please put this to Rory Hafford? It's in poem form. <laughs> there is a man on the radio once a month. He makes my pulse race and my heart do a pound. He delivers his wisdom en masse with his sensual voice and his cheeky laugh. I don't see his face or his beautiful smile. So unchain me from my radio and another monthly wait. My question, dear Rory, will you go on a date? Mother, I told you not to contact me when I'm live on radio. Please, <laughs> please. Melody, I'll have all contact numbers for that person. If yeah, you know yeah fair enough, fair enough. There's bravery in it. Let's start off with Barry, who is not his real name, by the way. Barry suspects his partner is doing the dirt. His partner is a plumber, and while he would normally have strange call-out hours, he seems to be attending call-outs later at night than usual. They've been together for 12 years. They've been married for some of those years. And they have had communication problems in the past, and he tends to be the one to back down. His partner feels that he is the alpha in the relationship. Barry shares that his confidence is on the floor. He doesn't want the relationship to be over, but he doesn't want to be walked over by anybody. How do you have that conversation? It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Uh, there's a lot of it about. That's the first thing. A lot of it about. The And look, we'll... There are signs and there are pointers and and a quick a quick Google search will will point you in the right direction. Is there a change in behavior? Is there a change in attitude? Is he going out more? Is she going out more? Is there an obsession with the phone? And it's the same section of and yeah, there's merit in in all of them. But this ultimately is a love thing and which means it's a feeling thing. You just know because you feel it, you know. So all the all the so-called pointers are cognitive things and, and they can be measured, you know, one to ten and all the rest of it. When you know, you know. So that would be my, my yardstick on this. I mean, you, you could look at the, at the pointers and go, well, he's on his phone more. Who the hell isn't? You know, that's indicative of nothing, nothing at all. He's going out more. He could be training. Do you know what I mean? So mm. the, the, it's, he, it, he's a plumber. He's going to have call outs. He's going to have call outs. But, but you're not a plumber and you have call outs and so do I. And it's if you're worried about something that takes up residence in your mind and your mind creates your reality. So you're constantly looking for the pointers that you fear most. Mm. So these will, 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 will come at you more often than they should. You'll also have confirmation bias. If you have a theory Absolutely. that something is happening, you'll find evidence. Do you, do you know, I was actually trying to think of that term for the longest time, confirmation bias. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a huge thing. So for me, you just feel it. OK, now, this still doesn't get our friend, which is not his real name, off the off the bind. So you can look at these things and you can have your confirmation bias and you can go into your body and you can somatically feel what it is that you're really feeling on this then what? Then what? Because these are just the problems. And this is a kind of a theme for this morning's programme. Problems versus solutions. And, and if, 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 
if I could leave somebody with anything, it would be be solution focused as opposed to problem focused, because that's the only way you can actually push through and get over it. But the Irish are not great at that. We're great at pointing fingers and apportioning blame and finding fault. Switch on the six o'clock news tonight on RTE for confirmation of that. And it, it leaves us nowhere. So what can he do? Well, he could give him a taste of his own medicine. If he, if he will not see, he must feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, an old friend of mine came up with that, that, that saying, and, and I think it, 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 it suits a, a lot of situations. You be Is that f- not a bit passive-aggressive? Uh, well, okay, how would you categorize what this man is feeling at the hands of his partner? Is that not passive-aggressive? So this is basically what you put out is what you get back. Which, which, again, for me, is a great emotional yardstick. How do you want the world to be? You be that thing first. So you're in control of what it is that, that you get back. Is it passive-aggressive? Yeah. What's wrong with that? If you're being dealt with in a passive-aggressive way. He said passive-aggressively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he? So, OK, there is a reference to this partner viewing himself as the alpha male mm. in the relationship and that does imply a certain amount of either authority being exerted or an attitude call mm. it what you will mm. but if Barry is fearful of being walked over does he not sooner or later have to stand up for himself Ab- assertively? Absolutely when I hear alpha male I hear bully and and the evidence based on the little text that we have would, there would be suggestions of that happening. But you can only be bullied if you allow yourself to be bullied, if you empower somebody else to be that thing. So, of course, you can stand up for yourself. Absolutely. The thing with this is, if we love somebody, we hitch our star to them, which means that we are now vulnerable. So if something untoward happens, our vulnerability will show through. Is there something that he can do against this alpha male? Yeah, Try being the alpha male. So see how he feels with it. But you can you can reverse the roles with this if, if you so desire. The the other thing Maybe is, there's a bit of fear as well that if he plays this game oh, yeah. the other guy won't care. Absolutely. Yeah. No. The and you're spot on. You are spot on. The big fear in all of this is the reality. Okay? The reality of what this man may find. His worst fears may come true on this. And that's the fear. And that's what holds people in this kind of repeating pattern. Oh, I must, I should, I can't. And, and around we go again. But you know what? The, the, the way I see it is if this person doesn't want to be with you, it's gone already. It's dead already. And you're flogging a dead horse for how many years in the future because you're not equipped enough emotionally to deal with the reality but again reality is in the mind your Mm. mind creates your reality irrespective of the circumstances irrespective so there was a time that this man did not have this other person in his life so what can we take from that we can take that he found a way to exist with and in himself So that means he has the capacity to do that again. Will this hurt? Yeah. But it will hurt a lot less than if he continues to stick with it and it eventually turns out to be what he feared. So for me, I know it's it's, it's a bit belt and braces, but 
you got to face up to it. Mm. I'd love to have an outsider's view on that because sometimes it's the alpha trying to be an alpha who isn't really the alpha at all. You know, it's a bit like the terrier. The terrier is the appiest dog of all. And the big German shepherd will just sit there looking at him. Absolutely, yeah. But if, if you stick a term on it, Will, this is how you see yourself. So this is this mm. is how you feel you are yeah, in the world. And will act accordingly. Barry sees himself as subservient to the other man. Indeed. Let's move on to Sarah in Athlone, who really struggles with conflict, she says. And she is a manager in a company and there are major issues with two women on staff who used to be friends and then had a falling out. And this falling out is spilling over into the office. She tends to close the door and pretend all of this isn't happening. And as a result, bystander colleagues are now complaining. How can she handle this? Mm. It is her worst nightmare, she says. Yeah, let's start there. It's her worst nightmare. No, it isn't. It's not even close to your worst nightmare. My worst nightmare might be waking up some morning and, and finding a lump. Now, that's a nightmare. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So you need to put stuff in, in, in context, first off. This is classic catastrophizing of a situation. Okay? Uh, so come back and face up to the nuts and bolts of it, the black and whiteness of it. You need to take... She's protecting the problem. That's, that's the first thing that, that I would be drawn to. She, she sees a problem and she's now protecting the problem instead of solving the problem. And it's back to what we said in, 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 in the first uh, texter. If you are solution-focused, you have a way to move forward on it. If you read through the words in that text, there is a stuckness there. And she's going around and around and it's in, in cognitive behaviour therapy, it's called washing machine thinking. So you're looking at the same dirty problems go round and round and round again, and it's ruminating on them instead of coming up with something that could, could help to solve it. That's what she needs to do. Now, this has nothing to do with bravery or, or subservience or anything like that. This is, this is very black and white bullet points. Well, she's two exposures, as I see it. The longer the conflict goes on, the harder it will be to resolve. Mm. The more she ignores it, the more she undermines herself as a manager in the eyes of her subordinates. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ignoring it will not work. OK. Often a wee tangent because it's 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 relevant to this. Uh, you just know me in one guise, but I also teach martial arts. And one of the martial arts that we do is is akin to uh, oriental sword fighting. So it's with samurai swords. And for the longest time, I was trying to figure out how something so ancient could have relevance in our world today. So I was reading around the subject and it hit me. What does the samurai do? Or what did they do? If there was a problem in front of them, they went straight for it without fear or favor. But they were willing, in their case, to die. In our case, in the modern world, you're willing to accept what it is that comes back. But it still means that you're heading straight into it instead of avoidance, instead of closing the door, instead of, of catastrophizing, just go straight forward for, for this. And the only reason I brought that up in this thing is because this, this text is, is ready made for that. 
The more she closes the door, the worse the problem will be, as you have pointed, have pointed out. For me, I would get them into a room, the two guys, and I would make them sit there until they come up. Firstly, that they will resolve their problem because it's not hers, it's theirs. And secondly, that they come up with a ton of solutions as to what they are going to do, what they want, how to make this better, but remove it from being her problem. I've forgotten her name again. Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, this is not Sarah's problem. The other thing is empowerment. Empowerment. Now, empowerment, you, you can look at somebody. Like, I can look at you, and I, I don't know you that well, but I know enough not to mess with you. Now, you don't go around shouting and screaming, but there's an energy from you, an in-chargeness about you. Now, how do you get that? If we had a pie chart, just 7% would go to the words we use. 7%. That means 93% goes to what I see and what I hear. Because that's how we really communicate with people. Mm. And it's non-verbal. So get Sarah to read up on that, to study that, and then to apply it because it works in a very, very powerful way. You know yourself dealing with people across the desk all the time. There's some people you don't mess with. You're not sure why. You just know it instinctively. And that's where the, the, the whole body language thing comes from. Think Roy Keane. Think Roy Keane. Well... <laughs> a man Think of right. few words <laughs> whose oh, tone and body language Absolutely. expresses yeah. that yeah. don't mess but, with me vibe. But do, do you know where that comes from with Roy Keane? It's, it's, a, it's a full-bodied belief in himself and in his abilities. But the thing that copper fastens it for me mostly at Roy Keane is that he doesn't need anybody to affirm him because he, he is intimately familiar with both his strengths and they were many and his weaknesses. And he embraced the weaknesses as part of him. And the other thing is, he's a gazillionaire, so he can pretty much say what he wants to say. But you're right. Rory Hafford is here from the Lusnagrena Family Resource Centre in Longford. He is a psychotherapist and an author. And we have more headaches and heartaches after these. Jenny in Mullingar says her teenager is constantly glued to the phone and won't communicate with anybody. She says they spend all evening with their head stuck to the device. What can she do? What can she and every other parent of a teenager do? Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? The, the, okay, I can give you a couple of twee suggestions and I can give you so-called evidence-based solutions. Uh, I'd rather just say a few words, if that's okay. Seeing as I have the floor, uh, we have a major problem on our hands with this and it's hidden in plain sight. Uh, I did the whole coffee shop thing that I did the last time and I watched people in the coffee on the phone, everyone, mm. everyone for the entire time that I was there. Now, that is a massive and a major disconnect in the world. So I step forward in evolution. Think about it. Evolution changes the thing, it changes the cognition. And that's exactly what's happening with people who have this sedentary, physical sedentary lifestyle. In. So it is a form of brainwashing, but everybody's doing it. So we're moving. In. How is a parent to compete with what the phone can offer? The phone is instant gratification at the press of a button. And we've touched on this before. The kids can get whatever it is that they want to get. 
How is the parent going to compete with that? How was your day today? How was school? Anything with your friends? Would you like your dinner now? Mm. Do you know what I mean? They, it's, it's not a level playing field, whereas the phone can offer them, can take them into a, into a brand new world. It's changing behaviour. I can see it. And I can see it as not just as a psychotherapist, but as a human being. People are colder now. People are ruder now. People are more aggressive now. There's a there's a a get back from me ness that is that is almost a palpable thing. The last time you and I discussed this, I also brought up the coffee shop thing and a text came through and we didn't have time to discuss it. And the text was, why would you even want to look at somebody that's just weird? And it stayed with me. And I thought about it going, going home in, in, in the car. And I was thinking, well, a couple of reasons. To be friendly, mm. to connect, to be empathic. You are aware, aware that there's other people in the world, right? I other love I love talking to strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me too. But you are from a different generation. And I'm from the generation up from you again. We're talking about kids. We're talking about nine, ten-year-olds. You know, this, this, is, this, is, this is very worrying. Google is now raising the kids. But when you say it's evolution, so evolution has, in this case, been interfered with by technology or maybe progressed by technology. Yes. Call it yeah, what yeah. you will. Yeah. But it may not be positive evolution. Mm. So... If embracing the phone means they are deprived of developing life skills, yeah. then they're going to have a problem. As parents, then, we try to avoid these problems mm. for our children. We don't want them having too much sugar. Mm. We want to make sure they have physical exercise. Mm. And we want to make sure they are immersed in the real world, yeah. not just the virtual world. Yeah, yeah. But you see, the virtual world is their real world. If your mind creates your reality, then it is real for you. Like you and I are sitting in the same space at the same time, but you're, you're attracted to different things than I am because the room means something more to you or something different to you. Similarly with the kids, they, 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 there's, if, if they were in a mind to contact the show now, they'd be falling over tables and chairs to go, what are the two old guys talking about? This is the world. This is reality. But evolutionary processes can be hugely violent at some time, ask the dinosaurs, for God's sakes. So there were literally, the world was changed in, in an instant, in a blink. Now, this is a slower thing. And you and I can go, yeah, but, and this, just if there's a problem and we can't fully understand it, follow the money. And there's your answer. So there is huge monies to be made for the online world or the two-dimensional world that kids are living in now. Children, teenagers are different to the, the guys that I experienced as I was growing up. Therefore, that is an evolutionary step forward or backwards, depending on your opinion. I'm looking at it in, in the clinic almost every week, and I find it increasingly more difficult to connect with younger people because they are used to just to looking at their phones and looking at things and seeing a picture. I am little more than a picture to them. Because that's what they've trained their mind to be used to. So what does Neve do? Or Jenny, excuse me, what does Jenny do? Well, if, well, firstly, how do you fight this? You fight this by exposing it. You fight this by having conversations on it. You fight this by, by highlighting the difficulties 
and and the dangers that are inherent in it. That's the first thing, as opposed to saying, I'm sure all their friends are on it. All the kids in school have one. How can I leave little Johnny out? Simple. Leave him out. You know? Just but if because- little Johnny, if his reward centre has become accustomed to all of that dopamine mm. in his brain because he's stimulated on his device and yeah. suddenly you take that away cold turkey, yeah. what's going to happen? You find new ways to increase neurotransmitters in the brain. How? Th- that's the challenge. What is it that would replace this dopamine hit with something else that is less addictive and less life-changing? But you see, I can, because my son is eight, encourage him to go out and play football and I'm thankfully of an age where I, c- I can still play out in the garden. But when he's a teenager, as Jenny's children are, mm. they're not going to want to play football in the garden with Dad. No. What, no, what, what can Dad or Mum do? No. Well, again, I'll, at, at the risk of repeating myself, find out what your child likes to do away from the phone and do that. 